That's the applause for our next guest. Yeah, he deserves it. He's not only the best in the business as a everyday wall-to-wall footy reporter based at uh, Melbourne, of course, for Channel 7. AFL trade, he was elite. In fact, this morning I heard with uh, Gary and Kane that he'd taken out the Scotty Palmer as the elite yep. reporter during the AFL trade period. Mitch Cleary, good morning. Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me on board. My prestigious award, mate. Uh, you'd be pretty, uh, pretty pumped, Mitch. And the thing we love about you, mate, and I've, you know we've got along for a long, long time now, is that you managed to do your job without being a complete flog. I mean, and, and I think that's important. Oh, I learnt from you from a young age, then, Scotty. I always remember we used, uh, used to produce some shows together back in the day, and uh, I must have taken a leaf out of your book. No, thanks for that. It's been uh, a busy couple of weeks, and. Uh, yeah, maybe a bit of pressure mounting on the Dockers, which I'm sure we'll get to. Yeah, uh, mate, how did you uh, sit down after the AFL trade crazy period, in particular yesterday, which was absolutely whiz-bang madness? How did you uh, finish up the night? If I'm being completely honest, my girlfriend is away in a chuka at the moment for the races. I got home last night, fed the dog, took my suit off, sat on the couch in my jocks and had a beer. So... Um, <laughs> Hello to everyone listening yeah. at 7 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, good morning. <laughs> Jeez, yesterday we had uh, ear infections. Now we've got Mitch Clear in his jocks. These are some visuals we don't need at this time of day. <laughs> uh, so I just sat there and watched a bit of the Cricket World Cup last night and uh, tried to forget about the last three weeks because you have a few Barneys along the way, but you try and uh, try and get to the line, which we did in the end. I mean, does it does it frustrate you? Cause I don't, it frustrates me is that... that We've got, what, 10 days or whatever to, to work all this out and then at the very last minute that it, uh, it all just happens in a uh, in a flurry, you, you get frustrated and go, well, well this was going to happen nine days ago. Why couldn't you have done it then? Yeah, and I think that's epitomised, Scotty, by the Geelong deal for Astavarada Galea. The power offered pretty much on day one, pick 25, and then you get right to the end on day 10, and they've thrown in pick 70 and 90 to, as a little sweetener to get that done. Andrew Mackey basically said the power rung. They offered, they had a 20-second conversation on day one, and they didn't pick up the phone again for five or six days. So I guess you, off the back of that example, you could shorten it a little bit. In saying that, the only thing I would say is if it was shorter, we'd be just talking about it more in a grand final week, and there'd be more deals happening earlier sort of behind the scenes. So... I don't mind the length of it in totality. Maybe this year we're just talking about it and sort of the questioning the length given, you know, last to last day we're talking about Massimo D'Ambrosio and, and Jacob Kaczynski as opposed <laughs> to previous years when we've been talking about Josh Dunkley, Adam Trelaw, Jeremy Cameron and these sort of deals. Yeah, very true. Uh, I've uh, been heavily smashed on socials, as you can imagine, uh, when I didn't really think, apart from your Taylor Allens and, and Lockie Schultz and the move of Grundy and, and a couple of others, but really some of these blokes uh, have commanded a lot of headlines. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't getting the game at their basic and club. I agree with you completely there. And, and Kano, we agree with Kano in the fact that it seems to be during trade period, Mitch, that a lot of players become a whole lot better than they've ever shown us. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, with about an hour and a half yesterday, I had my list of eight players who still could move, and I, I reckon six of them were VFL regulars. So, Savarati Glee has gone and turned into Glenn Jackovich all of a sudden, which we like, <laughs> and Ivan Soldo is all of a sudden Dean Cox. So, it's, it's the beauty of trade period. What I do like is that players who, you know, might be 25th on one list, you know, teams will back themselves to get them into their first 18 elsewhere. I do like that prospect of it. 
And in all honesty, I reckon next year's going to be much bigger. The salary cap's been tinkered. You know, players are going to be earning 30% more. I reckon the last couple of years, teams have been a bit hamstrung by the CBA. Mm. Now that's happened, I reckon next year and the next couple of years will explode with a bit more player movement. You left out that Ben McKay turned into Ash McIntosh as well, which was <laughs> uh, yeah, fantastic effort by... Incredible, incredible. Mitch Cleary is our guest, Channel 7's best in the business. AFL trade is over. So, Mitch, the big winner, I think Sydney, I think they acted the best mm. quickly. They they swooped in on what they wanted. They missed a couple of targets, but they didn't dwell on it and they got moving. And maybe the biggest loser is right here in WA. Maybe Fremantle have been set back on their heels, albeit you speak to Peter Bell and everything went according to plan. What's your thoughts on the winners and losers of the draft? The trade. I agree with Sydney. Yeah, I agree with Sydney. They've, they've gone and got Taylor Adams and Brodie Grundy, who will instantly make them better. And James Jordan, who won a flag at Melbourne, was, uh, you know, the sub in that grand final in your backyard in Perth, um, is a pretty handy pickup for that midfield depth. I'm with you on the Dockers. Um, I think they, they severely lost the Liam Henry trade. They did a right out of the Lockie Schultz trade, but it doesn't help them next year get any better at all. They've got three first-round picks for next season. So that's a pretty strong hand to potentially go after Logan McDonald out of Sydney, who's out of contract at the end of 2024. But this is a side goss that won a home final 12 months ago. They've got a coach going into the last year of his contract. I almost feel for Justin Longmuir. The list has gone backwards in the last two years. Yes, they've got younger. You know, Mundy retires. A few of these guys move on. Um, you know, Fife and Walters are coming to the end of their career. But this list hasn't got any better and it's going to have to rely on these young guys, that, you know, the Neil Erasmus, the Matthew Johnsons of the world, to get better if this team is to make the jump, which I don't think, um, you know, is helping Justin Longmuir, you know, progress his, his coaching future. So I saw Corbin Middlemass, a good friend of ours, last night on Twitter suggesting they should re-sign Justin Longmuir. I'm all for that because he can't go into the first 10 weeks of next year fighting for his career when the list, um, you know, isn't helping him by any stretch. It's a very good point, and I reckon it'll be something that will be discussed uh, heavily. What about West Coast? Mitch, uh, bringing in Tyler Brockman, which will be really, really handy, I think, and Matt Flynn, just to shore up their uh, their ruck stocks, uh, which was desperately needed. They've done okay. Yeah, I think so. And, and the threat of the pre-season draft helped them with Tyler Brockman. I think they got him for unders. They didn't have to give up a great deal for him. And, and still, at the end of the period, they've got pick one. I always reckon, Scotty, when the... Teams will have to wait and sit and go harder. I reckon they'll get better offers for pick one in the next two weeks. So you can keep trading picks up until the draft. Still, we'll see whether West Coast uh, entertain offers for pick one. But now everyone gets to take a breath, sit back and assess the market. That first North Melbourne offer of all those picks in the team (laughs) for pick one was pretty laughable, really. It'll need to be pick two or three as well as those picks in the team to even get West Coast to the table. Um, I think... With the beauty of time, I reckon that'll help West Coast get a better offer and, and some, um, some more serious suitors for, for pick one. Why did West Coast play nice? Is it the fact that they played nice with Tyler Brockman? They could have got him for absolutely nothing. Is it just a... Is it ethics? Is it a future planning that if they need to do work with Hawthorne in the future, do they just want to you know keep, on, keep the graces? Or is it just a matter of that they gave away something when they didn't need to? Because as we know, they could have got him for nothing. Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, I think a lot of that does go into the thinking. You know, in 12 months' time, you know, off the top of my head, you know, if Liam Duggan wants to move to Hawthorne, this is purely speculation, but to, to then you've got a favour in the bank, potentially, that's where your sort of thinking comes into it. And also to get the player in the door now. Tyler Brockman's a West Coast player now, as opposed to having to wait another month to get it done. I think 
you do it for the beauty of the player and the, and the player and their manager like to get it done as soon as possible. Um, so I just think it helps the beauty of it all. But the old ruthless West Coast might have had a different approach. But I, I do like what they've done in, in getting it up. And they didn't really have to give up a, a whole stack for a player who makes them better next year. I'm not convinced that there is going to be anything North Melbourne can do going forward. No. Mitch, to get pick one. I, I, I think I think that first offer actually puts them backwards, and I think it was disrespectful to West Coast. I think it was embarrassing for North Melbourne, and I just think as much as, you know, you can play hardball on this. of it? You can play hardball on this. Exactly right. You can play hardball on this, but I think West Coast have Harley Reid so far in front of the chase pack that and they yeah. and they and they are concerned as a football club they are concerned of the backlash they will get at a lot of levels who support that football club if they give up pick one knowing full well how elite he is the only thing I'd throw back to you guys is, is what if Dan Curtin reaches his potential and, and becomes the player that people in the West suggest but that's the only thing if you can get Curtin at pick two and then get you know another quality player or two in the team, that might help them progress. I'm with you on Harley Reid. I think he's clearly the best player. And, you know, everyone you speak to says that. But I just think, you know, what happens with the Dan Curtin side of things? Do they almost take Reid, back themselves to get him right and keep him long-term? Like Correct. Correct. They've done, and then maybe do the reverse to what the Victorians are doing and get Curtin out of a Victorian club Correct. in three or four years. It's exactly right. So, Mitch, so this is my, this is my, this is my spin on this. They will go one. Curtin is their fourth pick right now. Curtin's their fourth pick. Yep. McKercher and Dersma are certainly their second and th- third pick if they, or first and second if they were to split picks and get two, two and three, which North aren't going to give, but West Coast is going to ask for it because they, they believe those two might compensate for Harley Reid. Daniel Curtin they like and they want Daniel Curtin, but they, they do not put him in. They have not elevated him above those other three. No chance. How's this for a scenario that I was thinking last night driving home before I had my beer on the couch and my jocks? <laughs> West, West Coast trade next year's first round pick to someone like Hawthorne and try and get Curtin in that four to five to six bracket as well. So West Coast back themselves to jump a bit next year. So that pick for next year might be pick four, five, six. And then they'd trade it for Hawthorne who might be looking at a small forward like a Nick Watson with that pick. And they've just gone and got Jack Inovan. So the need for that pick four may not be there. Um, that's just you know one school of thought. Could West Coast get aggressive and, and trade next year's first pick, back themselves to jump a bit, and uh, get to work that way? Correct. When the suit comes off, do you just stop thinking? <laughs> I try to. Yeah, you're <laughs> a smart really. man. I like that. I think that concept is absolutely right. But I, 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 I know I've put my mm. proverbials on the line a few times and had them knocked off. But I genuinely believe pick one is West Coast. They're not going to trade pick one. You, you took it to the bank. Took it to the bank, and I'll stay with that. Stay with that. How was the to Harley, Harley Reid having an ambassadorial role in your show next year? That was a great chat you had with him a few weeks. Uh, he was good, wasn't week, he, Mitch? So. He was good. He's been very. He's a very, very smart man who loves footy. He's a footballer. He's he's not a boy trying to play football. Mm. He's a footballer. I love it, and, I, and someone asked, actually asked me during the week, which private school did he go to? And I said, <laughs> no, he didn't go to private school. He he just went to you know played his nab league for you know Bendigo Pioneers. I, I love the country kid who would have had offers to go private schools and he stayed with his mates and, and played local footy. And 
hopefully is better for it in the long run. What was all the wash-up with uh, Jack Ginevan? How was the feeling over in uh, in Melbourne amongst Collingwood supporters? I know a lot of them uh, have all of a sudden believed that he is a ducker. Uh, <laughs> he has milk free kicks now <laughs> and they never needed him. But uh, that was obviously the, the high-profile one, even even be it for a 42-gamer who's, uh, who's 20-year-old. Yeah, I, I think... It was a mutual parting in the end. Is it whether Collingwood drove him out or, or he drove it himself? I think you'll have different sides of the, the fence there, Scotty, as to what exactly went down. My read on it is that Jack Inovan was given sort of subtle hints by the coach and, and some footy people around the pie, you know, footy management at the Pies to sort of say, sharpen up your act. Then he kicks 40 goals in a season. The, the Pies go and get Bobby Hill. 12 months later, he has to watch them go and get Lockie Schultz. So, um, oh. I reckon he, he sort of read the room compared to what he did Mooney Valley night. <laughs> he uh, he read the room this time, and I think it works out. He gets a four-year deal at the club he supported as a kid. He'll get games. He replaces Brockman in that small forward role, and he, he probably would have been fighting for a sub role at, at Collingwood next year. So he gets to further his career. I think it's a, it's a pretty win-win for all parties, and the Pies did pretty well out of the deal. Yeah, no doubt. And, and I've read this somewhere. I don't know how much truth it is, Mitch. It might have been you. It might have been someone connected to you that – He's spoken, said goodbye to Craig McRae. He's spoken to Sam Mitchell and he's asked for permission to go to the Caulfield Cup tomorrow. Oh, that wasn't me, but uh, that does not surprise me knowing a little bit about what Jack Ginevan brings to the table. I like it and I think Jack Ginevan and James Sisley in the same team working together could be uh, could be fireworks next year. Hey, good on you, mate. So what happens to you now? I mean, do you, I know draft is still a month away. Do you get a little oh, bit of a chop-out break or are you going to still chip away? He's big in Cup Week. He's really big in the Spring Carnival, Mitch. <laughs> I'm actually going to the States uh, in a few weeks, guys. So oh, nice. keen to see, actually, a Perth boy, Jesse Merker. I'm going to watch him punt for Ohio State in the college football. He's uh, a good uh, a good Fremantle boy who's uh, doing big things in college football. So keen to see what he brings to the yeah, table. Yeah, the name is very Fremantle. Is this work, Mitch, or is it just a little bit of interest while you're over there? A little bit of, little bit of fun. No, just, a, just a, a boy's trip with a few mates to... Uh, Watch a bit of sports, Scotty. Uh, so, you just, so you just so you just edit that little bit. I'm going over to watch uh, Mirko just for the t- ATO that you just put the uh, the expenses in. Did you learn nothing over grand final week, Mitch? <laughs> are, we, are we off air yet? <laughs> hey, mate, well done. Taking out the Scotty Palmer through Gary and Kane and everyone who thinks you were the uh, the uh, class above and you were. He is. He absolutely is. Has been for a while. And what you do is you acknowledge when someone else has thrown something out there, you acknowledge them, you tag them in. There's a couple of uh, blokes on Trade Radio who make out that every single trade is across their desk first. Uh-oh. <laughs> no comment. <Uh-oh. laughs> Me neither. Have a good one, mate. All the best. See you guys. He's the best. Mitch Cleary, Channel 7 footy reporter, and he's known as the Masai, and he just gets things done. We appreciate his In a great chat. way. In a really good uh, way. He's a good man from a very good stock, too, is Mitch Cleary. This is Scotty and Goss. Great to have Mitch Cleary from Channel 7 on board.